Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. It is, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I technically have the day off from the office, but I've got to take a trip uh, the beginning of February, and it's going to cost me a day of work. Uh, it'll be for work, but I won't be on air, so I decided I wouldn't take off today. Uh, I do want to spend some time on this, though, and everybody talks about all their, uh, the I have a dream speech, the I've been to the mountaintop, the the letters from Birmingham jail, and and I just, I, I want to spend a moment playing what I think is one of the most deeply meaningful, theologically relevant speeches from Martin Luther King Jr., which is his street sweeper speech. What I'm saying to you this morning, my friend, even if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, go on out and sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Handel and Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. If you can't be a pine on the top of a hill, be a scrub in the valley, but be the best little scrub on the side of the rill. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. It isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best of whatever you are. And when you do this, when you do this, you've mastered the length of life. This onward push to the end of self-fulfillment is the end of a person's life. Now, don't stop here, though. You know, a lot of people get no further in life than the length. They, they develop their inner powers. They do their jobs well. Do you know they try to live as if nobody else lives in the world but themselves? And they use everybody as mere tools to get to where they are going. They don't love anybody but themselves. And the only kind of love that they really have for other people is utilitarian love. You know, they just love people that they can use. A lot of people never get beyond the first dimension of life. They use other people as mere steps to which or by which they can climb to their goals and their ambitions. These people don't work out well in life. They may go for a while. They may think they're making it all right. But there is a law. They call it the law of gravitation in the physical universe. And it works. It's final. It's inexorable. Whatever goes up can come down. You shall reap what you sow. God has structured this universe that way. And he who goes through life not concerned about others will be a subject victim of this law. So I move on and say that it is necessary 
to add breath to length. Now, the breath of life is the outward concern for the welfare of others, as I said. And a man has not begun to live until he can rise above the narrow confines of his own individual concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. That was Martin Luther King, his street sweeper speech. It is it hits upon something called the the doctrine of vocation within Christianity that uh, whatever we do, we're to do the best we can in order to glorify God. If you're just a street sweeper, street <laughs> sweep streets in such a way that all the angels of heaven look down on you and say, "There's the best street sweeper we've ever seen," and all the people would say, "What makes that man so special that he sweeps streets like that? It must be his love of God." We don't talk enough about the doctrine of vocation within in practical applications of faith, but it's significant. And he devoted a speech. It, it, the, the three dimensions of life was actually the, the real name of the speech. It, because of that passage on the street sweeper, it became his most famous passage in that speech. We are now in the year 2023. We remember Martin Luther King Jr., for the righteous cause. And there are people I know, I haven't glanced over at email, but I wouldn't be surprised to get an email from people who they just don't like Martin Luther King because he had communist sympathies or what have you. People on the left have perverted what he said or people on the right shouldn't embrace him because what he did, what, what he did was he took a bullet and died for a righteous cause of integration in this country. And you can quibble with things that he may or may not have done, but everybody can quibble with pretty much anything anybody did. Uh, and to quibble with the small things is to ignore the one big thing. He died for a cause that was in fact just. And I would submit that as we have moved further and further past and have now had our first black president, our first black and female vice president, we are closer to his dream of considering everyone by their character and not by their color. But there are those in this country who must pollute that message now because they would be out of a job with real racial progress. It is hard to say the United States of America is a systemically racist nation when this nation elected Barack Obama and has elected Kamala Harris. It is hard to say this nation is systemically racist when this nation has really moved beyond its past sins and recognized those sins and though still has work to improve, has improved a lot of all the people who live here. The poorest among us still live a higher quality of life than the poorest people in most of the world, except the race hustlers and the race grievance committee of the America can't make money if we realize we have moved beyond the shackles of the the sins of our past. There is no doubt there are racists in America still. But that does not mean America itself is racist. There has been a rush in the last few years to 
overturn and disrupt uh, the progress of this nation and make people feel bad. You've got Hulu now embracing the 1619 Project, which is a wholesale revisionistic uh, rewrite based on fiction of American history that has been embraced by the left because if they can rewrite that history, they can continue to fundraise and make money off of the racial grievances of the past in this country by declaring America systemically racist and founded in slavery, which is not true and has been rejected by historians of the left, right, and center, they can embrace a fictional retelling of this country so that the future youth of America hate this country. It is not a surprise that in a recent poll of do you love the United States, the people least likely to love the United States are the 25 and under crowd who have been raised to believe in public schools in this country that the nation is systemically racist. And even now, they try to distort the actual lessons of Martin Luther King. The women of The View today were out discussing how he actually did want us in some way to be judged by the color of our skin, and people have distorted what he actually said. It's a postmodern rewrite of what actually happened and what he actually said. They don't really care about it. They wish to rewrite it, revise it, and lie about it because of racial grievance. They make money off of racial grievance. And it's unfortunate They don't care about the ramifications of tearing the country apart. They really don't. Their concerns are about their own ability to have something to talk about in society, their own, their ability and their willingness to pollute the conversation in a way that advances their own cause. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., believe that there would come a time where we didn't see black and white. That we would just judge each other by our character. That is fundamentally incompatible with the left today. And in fact, there have been people on the left today who argue that Martin Luther King got it wrong, peaceful peaceful resistance, that it should be violent, that you're not actually going to get things to change unless you engage in violence. It's an upending of his legacy, one, to rewrite it and claim he wanted us to care about color greatly, and two, to claim that he failed in his uh, pacifist stance, in in his nonviolent stance. You have people on the right who attack King's legacy as he was uh, too far to the left, the Republican. Now people on the left attacking him as being too conservative in what he wanted to do, too convictional. All of this comes as the left in particular embraces this uh, postmodern intersectionality idea that everyone is on a, a multifaceted scale of race and gender and sex and sex is different from gender and sexuality and faith and ability or disability and that we must make color a, an essential component of what must be used and done in this country. I think Martin Luther King, you can just say from the legacy of his own speeches and work, would be rolling over on his grave today to know that the left, the activist left, uh, the civil rights left in this country has now decided that color must be used. Maybe he meant what he said, that he wanted us to be able to be judged 
on the content of our character and not the color of our skin, as opposed to having to engage in some level of modern deconstruction to make his words say the same things they never said, but we want to believe. There are people in the world today who believe we cannot say the sky is blue because it's actually a light refraction and that actually the sky isn't blue. It's just the sun coming through and the bend of the wavelength of the light. It makes it appear blue, but there are some people who can't see blue because they're colorblind. Therefore, none of us can say the sky is blue. People, There are people actually out there who make that argument. They twist words in common meaning and take exceptions and elevate them to rules. What Martin Luther King Jr. wanted was a basic fairness and equality. He didn't want an equity. People try to rewrite this now and say he wanted equity as opposed to equality. Equity is a great term for the modern deconstructionists of the left that uh, some must now be elevated up to the level of others. We can't treat them all equal because of historic disparities that we must now use government and power of some kind to elevate others who had it an unequal time. And now to get equality, they must get equity by being raised up by the government. There's the cartoon of the kids, some tall, some short, where injustice is all the kids except for the one white kid looking over a, over a fence at a basketball game and only the white kid elevated on the stand can see it. Equality is giving all of the kids the same level stand, but some of them are still, still too short so they can't see over the fence. And equity is giving some kids taller stools so that they can see over the fence. What they attempt to do is instill a fairness in outcome as opposed to a fairness in origination. We are all equal outside the womb. Equity demands that we die equally as well. And all of life's outcomes are somehow engaged in some level of equality. That's not what Martin Luther King wanted. He wanted everyone to be treated equal and the cream would rise to the top. The left today can't have that because we as society have that. And because we as society now have a level of equality we've never seen before, they have to move the goalpost onto equity because otherwise they would all be out of jobs and their institutes advocating equality would shut down. At this point, the movement for equity is a movement of grift. And it discredits the legacy of the man who really did die for equality in this country. The left will never be held accountable for it because so much of the left controls the media, which believes in equity, which all it is is a reestablishment of government control to pick winners and losers, something Martin Luther King himself would abhor. The legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. lives on in a country that has elected its first black president and first black vice president, a country that has transcended its old evils and sins to become a much better place. But God forbid the New York Times and others let you recognize how much better we are as a nation than we used to be, because then they couldn't profit. The weather outside might be frightful, but in your bed, you've got super soft bowl and branch sheets to sleep under. They'll keep you comfortable. They're just the perfect weight. Summer, winter, fall, spring, the perfect weight, and they get softer every wash. And right now, with the weather so cold outside, you want to just be snuggled up inside. They're the perfect sheets under which you and your loved one can snuggle. And right now, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlinBranch.com. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L. A-N-D-Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Bullet Branch sheets are the perfect 100% organic cotton threads 
that get softer every wash. Not only do they get softer every wash, but they the drape across your body is just perfect. I really enjoy mine. We've got them now on multiple beds in the house. We've just kept buying them because they're so soft. And every wash, they get softer. And right now, get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, the promo code ERIC. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, the phone number 877-973-7425. Chris, you're going to be up first today. Welcome. Hey, Chris. Hey, Eric. How you doing, brother? Good. What's going on? Oh, man. I tell you, I've been listening to you uh, for years, uh, ever since you, even even when you were subbing, you know, and everything. I just appreciate you so much, and uh, I think Thank Rush you. would be very proud of you, but I just really wanted to uh, weigh in on uh, you were talking about Martin Luther King. When I was a kid, I'm 42 now, uh, but when I was a kid, I got to meet Coretta Scott King, and my mother was a part of the Just Say No uh, to Drug Club in the 80s. And we in Douglas County, Georgia, uh, were honoring the first uh, black teacher to retire. And uh, I went up there with my mother, and I remember her buying me a 7-Up, Coretta Scott King, and uh, her just sitting down and talking to me, and, and, and I realized for the first time, I was five or six, that, you know, color is not an issue, that we are all God's children, and that, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. We, we need to love each other, and we need to be there for each other, and uh, I think that was the message that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was trying to get across, and I think mm-hmm. it's been, you know, diluted. I think it's been, you know, torn down over the years and I, I wish and I pray as a minister myself that we can get back to that you know uh, so I just wanted to make that comment yeah. I appreciate you uh, doing well, look, that I, I appreciate it very much Chris thank you very much for the the call and the comment here I gotta let you go there I got about 30 seconds but yeah I I, I do wonder if there would be some level of disappointment that um, we have we now live in a society where progressives want to elevate race uh, so much, uh, and it, we're not looking at people's character? We we the left wants us to look at people's race. That's not that's exactly the opposite of what he wanted. Race should not matter. Uh, we are all made in the image of God, regardless of what we look like. We are made in God's image and should treat each other as such. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. I want to just spend a little bit of time here with you continuing to talk about this this racial justice stuff, I guess we could say. Trying to get myself in trouble here. You know, I, I did an interview this morning with Josh Hammer at Newsweek. In this interview this morning with Newsweek, Josh Hammer asked me, what about living overseas shaped my views, my conservatism, my faith? And I have to tell you, I'm chuckling because both with Charlie and Philip recently, I've started when I was a kid, I, I grew up in Dubai, which they both know and they're both like, dude, we know this. Um, but when I was a kid... <laughs> up in Dubai, 10 years there, five to 15. And every few months we would leave to get our visas renewed and we would go to different countries. And then I have 
subsequently continued to travel the world. Um, you named the country in Western Europe, and I think I went there. Our very first trip uh, was to Cyprus as a kid. I've been to Greece and to Turkey. I've been to Kuwait, been to Saudi Arabia, been to Oman, been to Egypt, been to France and Great Britain, Belgium and Netherlands and Switzerland and Germany and Austria and uh, the Czech Republic and uh, eventually was able to make it to Italy and to Spain and been to India and Pakistan and I've uh, been to Thailand and went to Malaysia repeatedly and Hong Kong and I mean all over the world I went. And to be an American meant something. When I was a kid, the Fifth Fleet, the United States, would come to Dubai to sit in dry docks for repairs, and my parents would host the the sailors, the, the enlisted. I would wake up some mornings, there'd be sailors asleep on the floor in my room, and my mom and dad did cooking for them and helped them with laundry and took care of them, and just gave them a, a friendly place to stay. And, and the whole family enjoyed it. I, my dad would make ribs and we'd organize block parties and have the, the other people in the neighborhood with them. It was just, it was, it was a fun thing to be able to do. And the American military kept us safe. And we would have these sailors in our house and they would be black and they'd be white. They'd be Hispanic. They would be Asian, but they were American. The military was a great leveler for equality in that regard. There were times when I was overseas where, given my dad's background, um, on more than one occasion, I remember my mom encouraging us that if anyone should ask, we should say we were Swedish when uh, terrorism was on the rise in the Iran-Iraq war. But typically, if people knew where we were an American, it meant something. And freedom-loving people around the world to this day wave our flag. They don't wave the Chinese flag. They don't wave the Russian flag. They don't wave the British or the French flag. They wave the American flag because the American flag means something to people around the world who want freedom. In the protests of Hong Kong to the protests of Iran, people wave the American flag. Because the idea of America means something to those people. The idea of the United States of America, not, not the physical being of the United States, not the soil of the United States, the idea and ideal of the United States means something to people around the world in ways that the ideas and ideals of other countries simply don't. And that in and of itself is remarkable because the French Revolution was premised in some, hood, some way on brotherhood and equality, on egalitarianism. And that's not what the world wants. They want American freedom. They want liberty. Nobody's out there waving the French flag around for, for protest for freedom. It's our flag. We mean something. Our nation means something to people, except in this country. In this country, you got a lot of people left, right, and center who just do not particularly value this nation right now. 
You got people dying in the streets of Iran and in China, in Ukraine and elsewhere who view real enemies as enemies. And in this country, we're most likely to view each other as enemies. I thought it was notable. There's a strain of uh, protectionist sentiment on the right that says that Ukraine is just as culpable for the war in Ukraine as Russia is. And the new uh, socialist president of Brazil is saying the same thing. You've got the alt-right and and the, the socialists of Brazil all blaming the Ukrainians for what Russia has done. And a whole lot of people are like, why are we helping the Ukrainians? Well, because the Ukrainians are a freedom-loving people who were invaded against their will by the Russians who would spread the Russian sphere of influence across Europe if they could. And we in our armaments can rearm democracy and protect them. And we should not have shame for this for this country. It is sad to me that the greatest indicator of your sense of patriotism for a lot of people in America today is whether or not their party is in charge. Democrats do not feel patriotic when a Republican is president and Republicans do not feel patriotic when a Democrat is president. And I don't get that because I just feel patriotic about this country. I love this country. I say all the time people are stupid. And let's be honest here. People are, as a collective, stupid. But the ingenuity, ingeniousness, individualism of the United States left, right, and center continues to impress and inspire. We are a great nation of good people if we so choose to be. But there are a lot of people in this country now who... They want to tear down the United States because they view American ideals and American freedoms and the individualism of America as impediments to their struggles, to their ideas, to what they want for the world, for what they want for this country. There are those who wish to take government and then never give up the reins of power again on the left and the right. Both on the left and the right want to take power and never give it up to impose what they view as a greater ideal and a greater sense of culturalism on the United States, a greater homogeneity. We get our strength through our differences, our strength is through our heterogeneousness. The problem is that we have all along, really since the 50s and 60s with the Supreme Court, decided that we should be able to have a one-size-fits-all will in position from government onto the rest of America and no longer have communities of interest. And I think perhaps it's time we go back to that. I, I, I am a broken record on the subject, but I really do think if we took to heart Jeremiah and, and uh, seek the welfare of the community in which you live, and there you'll find your welfare. We will all be better off. So if you're in California and you want to be liberal and far left, you work like heck to make California as liberal and far left as possible and expect that I will support your right to do it so long as you do not try to interfere with my right in my state to make it as conservative as possible. And you improve your community, and I'll improve my community, and together in the competition and the free marketplace of ideas, we will improve our nation together. You and me headed in opposite directions, working though together to respect each other's liberty and choices to be able to direct our community in the way we wish our community to work. We will improve the whole nation. Instead, people on the left and some on the right very much want one size fits all federal government imposed agenda. That is not what the people of this world are fighting for and protesting when they wave American flags. What the people of this world 
when they wave those American flags, what they want is they want the freedom to be able to pick their leaders. And they want the freedom to make their own way in the world. And they want the freedom to live their lives as they see fit. Not to be controlled by a government that demands they only have one child and the second must be aborted. The government that places them in jobs, whether they want to work in those jobs or not. The government that arranges their life. And we in this country, because we have for so long been so good and so great and so rich and so powerful, we haven't had to worry about the struggle. We haven't had to worry about the fight. We have turned inward with a lot of vanity. And I think if nothing else, when we arrive at a point like today where it is Martin Luther King Day, we should at least maybe consider that this was a man who gave his life to a cause and not a lot of us are willing to give our lives to causes. And the causes many of us care about maybe are the causes that transform the whole world. They're they're just to us locally, the cause we care about. And I think all of us working in tandem with the causes we care about can just like seeking the welfare of your community, make our country better. So long as we give each of us license to disagree and no one wants to give license to disagree anymore. You either completely agree or you are the enemy. I've noticed something online. Some people I followed for a long time, People who I know because I've had private conversations with them despised Donald Trump. I mean, y'all think I hated Donald Trump. I I didn't care for the guy. I didn't hate him. These people, they hated him, hated him, hated his followers, hated all of this, but they got to have a career. And they're now some of the the loudest voices on the right, pro-Trump, anti-vaccine, convinced of government conspiracies related to the virus and all of this. And, And the common thread is that They couldn't make it with the values that they professed. And they abandoned all that to make a buck. And I find it sad, and I don't want to call them out by name, but they're essentially selling something that they probably now do believe in, but did not for a very long time believe in, and in fact, adamantly rejected that belief they now profess. And when they couldn't make a living in that direction, they gave it all up for something else. And I think about that with the the racial strife in this country and all the people who work so long for racial harmony, they get it. Barack Obama is elected, which is a large testament to the fact that there are always going to be racists in this country, but the country itself is not racist. And they're like, "Uh, how are we going to make money now? We've come to an end to this. Well, if it came to an end, they couldn't keep it alive, so they had to... They had to keep festering the controversies. And you know, there's some actual part of this that actually makes this country great that you could get away with something like that, even as I disagree with it. But I'll just just leave it here. We are the greatest country to exist on planet Earth. When people in third world and dictatorial regimes go into the streets to protest and possibly be killed, they wave our flag proudly because they want what they believe we have, a freedom to decide for ourselves our lives. Martin Luther King died 
fighting for a justice and an equality that we actually have in this country now. We don't need to overstate his legacy, but we don't need to understate his legacy. And I would just say our biggest problem, our biggest weakness now is that so many Americans have never had to go through those struggles. no, no, No American has ever had to take to the streets to protest government. Some care, some do, all this sort of stuff. But I would just say that we in this country, many of us on the left and the right, and it is people on the right as well, do not appreciate what we have as a nation that is so unique to others. We have a nation that is not a nation of blood and soil. It is not a nation that has been here because it has been here as a landmass with people producing. It is a nation that came together in a great revolution because it was committed to ideals that we have a creator and he has given us rights and he has given us life and he has given us liberty and he's given us the pursuit of happiness. It is a nation of ideas, this nation. It sets us apart from all other nations on the planet. We are not a nation that is a nation just because we existed at a time that armies were sweeping across the world. We are a nation formed from the great British Empire, coming together not as people who are British anymore, but as Americans, founded presuppositionally on the ideas of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that is what everyone else in the world wants when they hoist our flag. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we in this country, when we internalize and look at each other as division and hate each other and decide that we should impose our values on the person next door to us instead of loving our neighbor, we subvert the very things that people like Martin Luther King wanted, that the people who hoist the flag in protest in preparation of being killed by dictators, what they do. And maybe we in this country should, as I had to do as a kid, living abroad, seeing the American military keep me safe, we should actually be more grateful than we are that we have this country Because if we don't have it, what other country would we have? If we could not be American, what other nation would we want to be from? I'd submit to you, there is no other nation on the planet for which I would ever care to be from. I'm an American, and I'm proud of it. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. Let's see. I think I can squeeze in a call right now from Tracy before we head out. Tracy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Eric. How are you? Good. What's going on? Well, I just had a comment about Martin Luther King's speech, the part about whatever job you have, do it the very, very best you can, even if you're only street sweeper. Mm-hmm. Something I, I came to the realization of a few years ago, and that is that there are no unimportant jobs. Every job has to be done by somebody. We could all be as rich as Jeff Bezos, but somebody will still have to make the French fries. It's a good point. Somebody's got to. Yeah, I mean, there are, and this is, I think, part of the problem we have right now as a country is there are a lot of people who are checking out on doing uh, the jobs that don't pay enough to sustain a lifestyle that they want, and there are no one, there's nobody there to step up. Uh, part of the problem, for example, with minimum wage increases is minimum wage has always been uh, to try to transition young people into the workforce to give them job skills. And now, because minimum wage hikes are going up so much around the nation, there are a lot of people who are coming out of retirement and taking those jobs, and so you have a lot of kids who aren't able to gain job skills because they're shut out. And, you know, we shouldn't dismiss that angle. There's a deep 
deep-seated frustration among the Generation Z kids now that they're being shut out of jobs that retirees have come back in to take, and they're not able to get job skills, and some of them are agitating to socialism because of it. But there's also the, this side angle aspect of it that Trace is getting to of, of doing your job poorly, that you're just there to show up. Now, I really disagree with the fundamental concept that some progressives have done that you should take your whole self to the job. I don't care about your whole self when you're serving me fries. And there are some people out there like, I can't work for this company because it doesn't support my political values. I, I just, just, you're there for a paycheck. But when you go, do the very best you can do. You don't have to take your whole self, but do take yourself. Do throw yourself into the job to do the very best job you can do, and you shouldn't expect head patch. You know, so Philip and Charlie. Philip runs all the digital stuff for me. Charlie, all the radio stuff. The two of these guys, I met them on the internet, and the thing that impressed me about both of them is that I didn't have to, like, give them every step of the way. They just... They took over. They figured it out, and they do the very best job they can do. Both of them are, are tremendously hardworking people who just have a fantastic work ethic. Or, or Jim, who runs the board, who if it's a weekday, he's there. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas or Thanksgiving. He's there working, and there are so many people who they want to check out on the job and not be the best they can be, which doesn't help them, doesn't glorify God, and doesn't help the country either. Do a best you can possibly do.